Welcome to PCTY Talks, a new podcast from the human capital management software provider, Paylocity. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson, and as an HR program manager at Paylocity, I will be navigating our journey together as we explore bite-sized topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, diversity and inclusion, and product knowledge. If you have an idea for a future podcast topic, please drop me a note at PCTYTalks at Paylocity.com. Welcome to today's episode. We wanted to drop a last episode really of the season of this year around some compliance um, updates that we want to make sure that we get in front of you. There was a stimulus bill passed on December 21st. Um, And as of this recording, we're still waiting on the president's signature to that bill. But I wanted to bring Corinne Tyrone back on and see if she could give us a little bit of an overview, high level of what was included in that bill. So Corinne, thanks for joining us on such short notice. Um, And I'll let us kind of dive right into uh, what we're hearing. Dive right into the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, happy happy to do that and happy to be here, Sherry. So um, as you mentioned, there was a new uh, relief bill passed on December 21st, kind of late in the evening. And it was uh, the COVID relief portion of that bill was actually part of a much larger bill. The bill um, that it was included in is over 5,500 pages. And that federal funding bill uh, passed through both chambers of Congress late in the evening on Monday, but has yet to be signed by the president. And you mentioned that a moment ago, and that's important to just reiterate here because um, at this moment, uh, it is the 23rd in the afternoon. It, it appears that we may we may not get a signature at all. That seems you know possible in this moment. In which case, this bill is much less likely to become a law as it is written right now. So I just wanted to start there that this is not a law yet and that the provisions of the bill that we're going to be discussing today may not end up finalized exactly the way that they're written. Uh, but there are a lot of provisions in this bill that are important to employer to employers. And we want to make sure that our uh, our clients and our listeners are aware of these things um, so that if, the, the, if this does become a law, that they're prepared and kind of ready to respond to some of those changes because a lot of them do become effective very quickly. Um, there are a few main areas that I want to talk about today, and those are changes to FFCRA leave and the corresponding tax credits, changes to the employee retention credit that was created under the CARES Act, updates to the PPP loan program, expanded UI benefits, changes to the employee social security tax deferral due date, and um, of course, the direct stimulus payments, which I know are top of mind for a lot of folks. Yeah. And I I have been following the news and even, uh, we'll talk about this a little later, I think, but even the amounts of that are still up in the air. So Mm -hmm. um, let's start with changes to the leave benefits and tax credits from Families First Coronavirus Response Act or FFCRA. Yeah, that's a that's a great place to start. So uh, the first thing to know about what's in this bill is that the period for which eligible employers can claim credits for providing FFCRA paid sick and paid family leave was extended to March 31st of 2021. This was originally set to expire at the end of this year, 2020, just like many other provisions in FFCRA and CARES. One thing that's really important to note here is that this bill doesn't actually renew the mandate that is established by FFCRA to provide paid sick leave and paid family leave in those specific qualifying COVID-related circumstances that are defined in that legislation, and it doesn't create any new hours. So the total leave amounts remain up to 80 hours of sick for a full-time employee and up to 10 weeks of family leave. 
So if your employees have already depleted those banks, they're not getting additional time here. But employees who have time remaining may use it if the employer chooses to allow them to do so. So the language I'm using there is intentional. This is optional. If you, would, if you do allow your employees to use that remaining time, you may also claim the corresponding credit. So it really just kind of extends the credits that have existed throughout the year for allowing employees to use that time just a few more months. You get one additional quarter of benefit there. Okay. And what, again, can those credits be applied against? Yeah, so they're um, against the employer and employee portions of Social Security, Medicare, and um, federal income tax withheld. So it's it's exactly the same as it was um, over the course of 2020, just a little bit of extra time. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. How have things changed with the employee retention credits? There are a few things that are uh, set to change for the employee retention credits that are noteworthy. And the first, again, obviously, is the timeline. The employee retention credit is also set to expire at the end of 2020, um, just like mostly everything else with FFCRA and CARES. But if this bill is signed into law, it will be extended through June 30th of 2021. So employers would get two additional quarters of help there. Additionally, the maximum amount of qualified wages has been updated to $10,000 per quarter for each of those two quarters instead of the $10,000 for the full year as it was through 2020. And the percentage of those wages that may be counted toward the credit would be increased. So it previously was set at 50% of that $10,000, and now it is 70% for each of those two quarters. Those changes alone are already pretty significant, but this gets even richer because this law would also change the definition of a large employer for purposes of determining what types of wage payments would be qualifying. So under the original CARES Act, if an employer had more than 100 employees, the qualifying wages were only paid to employees who were not performing services, which was really pretty limiting for a lot of employers. This law would change that number to 500, meaning that employers with fewer than 500 employees could now apply this credit against wages paid regardless of if the employee was providing services or not. So again, uh, that's a pretty significant improvement there. Yeah. Um, how about eligibility for PPP loans? So the most interesting um, thing that I'm seeing here in the PPP loan program, I mean, obviously there's a lot of additional funding that's being pushed into this. So um, that's you know noteworthy and has happened a couple of times um, since the original CARES Act already. However, um, what they're creating here that's new is an opportunity for the hardest hit small businesses to receive a second forgivable PPP loan. So they're calling this a second draw. And eligibility for a second draw would be limited to small businesses that have 300 or fewer employees and that have sustained a 25% revenue loss in any quarter of 2020 and have used or will use the entire amount of their first PPP loan. So again, they have to be smaller than 300, have sustained that 25% revenue loss in any quarter of 2020, and then they have to either already have exhausted or they will exhaust their entire original PPP loan funding. Um, outside of that, which uh, is a really interesting benefit that I think a lot of employers will be really interested in, this also would extend the covered period for all PPP loans through March 31st of 2021 and expand the definition of for forgivable expenses. So um, there are a few things that I want to call out there that I think are noteworthy. So it would um, include covered operations expenditures, supplier costs, and PPP. 
PPE. So if you're using any of those um, PPP loan funds, it's kind of a tongue twister, to buy PPE, then you may be able to get that expense forgiven. Um, the act also clarifies that businesses, business expenses that are paid with PPP funds are tax deductible, which is consistent with the original intent of the act. Uh, definitely a tongue twister. Uh, really neat to hear some of those additional expenditures being covered, though. Um, I know that there were some changes to unemployment insurance benefits as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, um, a lot of what we're seeing there is really similar to some uh, prior legislation. So similar to CARES Act and then that subsequent presidential memorandum, which extended those benefits um, in August. But it, this is really critical right now because expanded benefits are expiring in days and many Americans are really relying on that additional benefit amount. Um, so if this bill does become a law, it will be an additional $300 of weekly benefits on top of the state benefits. And that will be available until mid-March. There will also be some opportunity for a few additional weeks of benefits after that um, mid-March end date into the beginning of April if the recipient has not already met the new 50-week benefit maximum. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So I know that there's also been some changes related to the employee social security tax deferral. So I was wondering if you could cover that and touch base on if anything changed from the employer perspective as well. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So from the employer perspective, in terms of the employer deferral that was created under the CARES Act, nothing has changed. So you can continue to defer through the end of this calendar year, and then those payments will become due again 50% at the end of 2021, 50% at the end of 2022. As far as the employee portion, that's a relatively that's a relatively new change during the course of this year. So in August, there was a presidential memorandum that created the option for employees to defer their Social Security tax payments until the end of the year. So um, from the effective date, which I believe was the beginning of September, all the way through the end of this calendar year, they were allowed to defer um, their Social Security tax if they chose to do so and if the employer chose to support that. Now, um, what is being changed by this bill is the due date. So originally, that those funds were meant to be paid, recollected and then repaid by the end of April 2021. So basically, you had you know three months where you could defer your Social Security tax, and then you had to turn right back around and repay it. This is giving taxpayers an additional eight months to recollect and repay those funds. So it extends that due date all the way out to the end of December of 2021, which will create um, the opportunity to kind of they're using the word radically recollect that. So radically recollect that over a 12-month period instead of a four-month period. Um, now, again, this this has not actually passed yet, but if it does, theoretically, you know, how that would show up for you is that instead of, you know, doing a one-for-one repayment over the course of those four months, you would be doing, um, you know, a quarter-to-one repayment over the course of the entire year. Well, it'll be uh, really good to see that get in place um, once this Hopefully once this gets signed. Um, On to kind of a bigger question, what has been changed or issued with um, the direct stimulus payment program? Yeah, um, and this is a really great topic to close with because this is a source of a lot of the contention around this bill at the moment. Um, as you probably have seen in the news, the president feels that the amounts of the, st- the direct stimulus payments or relief rebates, as they're being called, are a little bit too low, and that Americans need more assistance and that the economy needs more stimulus. So he's really asking Congress to increase the dollar amounts to around two thousand dollars per person. 
As this act is written today, the bill comes in at a lower $600 per individual or $1,200 for joint filers. Um, like with the last stimulus payments we saw this spring, um, there are income-based phase-outs for these payments. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so if you're listening and you're an employer and you know that this isn't quite signed, uh, what are our next steps? Well, um, I mean, in some ways, it's a it's a bit of a waiting game, right? So we we need to wait and see what unfolds over the coming days between Congress and the president. Um, we could end up seeing this bill signed into law, or uh, perhaps you know amended, and then you know some uh, variation of it signed in over the next couple of days. Um, or we may not see that happen, and we may see something else take shape over the coming months. Um, either way, Paylocity is prepared to support the changes in this bill if they become law, and we'll be ready to pivot to something new if we need to. So to our clients, I would say stay tuned and we will keep you informed along the way. Yeah. And we will definitely record another episode if there are drastic changes to what we just talked about, because we want to make sure our listeners are prepared. So thanks, Corinne, for jumping on with me for a few minutes. And uh, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Sherry.